Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And I just decided that I'm going to take off my jacket. We are a happily married couple of four children, ages 10 through 3. 10, almost 11. And uh, we live in Montana. And we homeschool. And... Um, I'm still figuring out what to do with my life. And I'm taking Titus, who's almost 11, to Dallas, Texas tomorrow for a judo tournament. I think I'm officially crazy. Yep. Um, the good news is, this is the only, the last thing we're doing until next year. At which point, Molly and I had a conversation saying, we need to plan out our fall better. Which is totally true. We took advantage of some last-minute opportunities to do some regional judo tournaments, and I did get a cow elk hunting, but I spent way too much time hunting. I'm over-hunting. I don't want to hunt anymore. I'm done. I'll go get a Christmas tree for you. I'll hunt for a Christmas tree for you, baby. Okay. That doesn't put food in the freezer, but it does. That's true. It is a more guarantee of success. So That is also true. Aim low. Aim high. If you aim low... You will always exceed, set low expectations and try to exceed them. Yeah. Is always. Yeah, what you said. That's what one of my old bosses at Peacemakers used to say. (laughs) Always surprise people when you exceed the expectations they had for you because you. (laughs) you Well, they always say, you know, you want to, you want to under promise and overperform. Right. I guess that's a fancy way of saying it. Saying the same thing. Yeah. Speaking of under promising and overperform, I got, I think I mentioned this like two shows ago. I was auditioning to play a villain in a new VR game that um, is, I think, Facebook and Oculus are somehow involved. But um, I got the role. That's exciting. So I'll be the villain, an evil villain. But it only takes an hour of you recording, like, sound clips? Oh, no. I'm recording probably a whole bunch of lines. And this is the beta release. Oh. So then when the full game comes out, I'll have even more lines to do. Ah, okay. So I hope I can overperform. I can outperform okay. expectations. The last time I did a dramatic voiceover, meaning I played a character in a voiceover role, um, it was for an independent film in New York, and the director was simply blown away. He's just like, I, this just, Did I know about this? Maybe, maybe not. It was, it was another paid project. Huh, um, Okay. I don't know whatever happened to the film, if it ever got released, but he was just like, wow, I, you just, yeah, I'm speechless. So that was cool. It's nice to occasionally have, have people like have you people be like, wow, you actually do good work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I have, we talked about reading this. Uh, this is from Betsy Crabtree. I'm switching subjects on you. <laughs> and I'm sneezing. Um, she responded on the topic of night crawlers, which we discussed oh, two weeks ago, yes. I think. Oh, yes. We forgot to bring this up. This and is Betsy great. says, I'm 65, homeschooled our five kids, and recognize much of which you speak. I've sometimes wondered if any of your episodes would ever pique me enough to write, well, the night crawler one did it. <laughs> I grew up on a farm in central Nebraska, and an older brother realized that we had fertile night crawler grounds. On a rainy night, he sometimes picked up a thousand night crawlers a night, and he hired us younger siblings to pick them up, too. I used a glove because they're slimy. It was common to find them mating, and you can often grab two at a time that way. They're a little slower to retreat. <laughs> we even had a second fridge in the basement that was mostly designated for night crawler storage. Whenever I walk over a particularly bumpy lawn, 
I sometimes suspect nightcrawlers. So who knew that nightcrawlers were so fascinating? I feel like, honestly, one of the reasons that I love being a nerdy homeschool mom is because you can dig into stuff like this. And also, I love being a Christian because I believe that God designed them like this and he it shows us some of his infinite creativity and how tremendously unique God made so many different facets of the world and I'm sure they all work together like a finely tuned clock like there's a reason that night crawlers mate the way they do and live the way they live and night crawlers are different than normal earthworms in terms of how they burrow and if you don't know what I'm talking about go listen to two episodes ago where we talked about night crawlers at length and but but to me I don't see a lot of the rhyme or reason for how and why God created earthworms for example as being hermaphrodites and they both when they mate they both release fertilized eggs and anyway all those things are tremendously fascinating to me and maybe there's a very unique finely tuned reason that god made them that way i just look at it and think wow that's crazy how creative infinitely creative does god have to be to come up with something crazy like that and it seems like almost anywhere you look in the animal kingdom in the in geology in astronomy you're always coming up with crazy infinite creative things that came out of the mind of the creator yeah and if you're interested that's uh episode 71 more on worms humility and hope for unity um well it's it, you're you're kind of touching on the common question like why in the world did god create wasps there had to be a perfectly good reason for god creating wasps right yep what is a wasp or a mosquito the fall? You know, what do they use that stinger for? Yeah. If there's no fall. There's no what do they killing use? and harm. Yeah. So, I mean. Will they be part of a redeemed creation? You know, we watched several years ago. It injects. Maybe it's inject. It's it used to inject feel goods. Uh, who knows? Well, remember. remember <laughs> Ooh, that feels really tingly and warm. The movie. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on here before. The nature documentary. The Riot and the Dance that talked about the riot Andy the Wilson before. did with his uncle Gordon, who is a biologist. And now they're creating an entire... They've actually... I can't read... It's not Kickstarter. It's a specifically Christian one. Like Angel... It's the same one I think that Andrew Peterson used to fund his TV series. It's Angel Fund or something. Anyway, the Riot and the Dance crew is funding a TV show that... The only reason I know this is because I get ads for the funding portion that I think is up. They actually hit their goal. But I still remain... I, you guys, I I cannot state strongly enough how much I dislike snakes. We have a compost pile that's... How far is it? 75 yards from our back door? Across some regular Maybe. grass? And then across the some, some field, field grass. grass that's mowed. And I... Because I believe it's good for my body I usually try to go out there barefoot when I'm emptying the compost so at least once a day I'm walking around or once every other day walking around outside barefoot and all of the different textures on the ground are good for your brain and things like that anyway I I walk out there barefoot and even though it you guys it's screaming wind today 60 70 mile an hour gusts sustained for the whole day in our backyard 
we, you don't want to be outside right now. It was a little bit breathtaking, literally coming back in with my face into the wind. But going out there, I I saw a garter snake in the compost pile out of July, maybe. It's now 40 degrees. The garter snakes are not buzzing around. They're cold-blooded. And I'm still watching every single step carefully because I am terrified of stepping in or near a garter snake. In the meantime, I'll run around and just pick them up and carry them around. And, oh, I, I just, I can't, I don't like them. <laughs> I know that they're totally harmless. I, the, just, the thought of them gives me the heebie-jeebies. And in this movie, the right I feel that dance, way about spiders for the most part. Or gigantic beetles in Florida. Oh, I don't, awful. see, I don't mind any of those. When I was in high school, I was visiting my grandparents who lived, I don't remember where they were living, somewhere near Clearwater, I think, or something like that. Anyway, uh, or t- the Tampa area. And uh, we came back one day to their town home and there was just, the beetles were the size of pop cans and that's not unnat. That's, that's not natural. It's awful. I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. I do like, I do like living somewhere that it freezes and kills things off so they don't get that big. But I, is that the reason they get that big? It's not a specific genetics. Well, I'm sure it's all sorts of things. Cause like the, elk, the, just because you let them live long doesn't mean they'll get really, really, they'll have really huge racks. No, but some will. But. You know, women too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys, couldn't resist. The normally it's backwards for a woman. Don't you for, get smaller the older you get? If, if you have babies, yes. The, the, there's, I think there's a combination of their environment, probably genetics, but then. Remember, we believe in adaptation within a species, not necessarily not evolution of the species uh, into Correct. a new species. And so, like, if you look at a fish, fish grow to be to fit the size of the tank that they're in. Their bodies just know, and they'll actually grow even if they're, if I understand correctly, if. They've been in a small tank for a couple of years and you put them in a bigger tank. There's a possibility that they'll get bigger because there's bigger space for them. Um, fish in the ocean don't have that constraint. And so a clownfish in the ocean, for example, is going to be a lot bigger than a clownfish in a 30-gallon saltwater aquarium, which is going to be smaller than a clownfish in a 150-gallon saltwater aquarium. I I don't know if bugs have the same thing or not, but I, I'm fairly certain it also has something to do with how long they can live. But then again, I don't think praying mantises live more than one year. And they're awfully big. I mean, they're for sure the biggest bug that exists in Montana. And they're an invasive species. Yes. I like them, though, even though they're invasive. I feel the same way about the choke vine or whatever it is that I decided to foster. And yeah. You're like, did you really Woodbine. just do that? Yeah. But it opens it opens a really purple, really beautiful purple flower mm-hmm. in the day. Oh, and it closes you're talking up. about the morning glory. Morning glory, yeah. 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 Yeah, field bindweed is the yeah. Other name and for here it. I am. It, here I am creating, creating little things for it to climb. I would like to plant a clematis there next year and see if that would grow. We had we a, have a hard time. I can't get anything not weedy to grow up. I know. what about hops? Hops would be fun. I, hops. Hops are really messy, and if yeah, you and get them to flies. if you get them to grow above our pergola, that or means our pergola is going to be really hops. messy. Um, huh. I feel okay. like I had something else I was going to say. Before diving into the meat, you're going to talk about how hard the week has been so far, and it's only Tuesday. 
Actually, the week hasn't been terrible. The weekend? The weekend was horrible. I've just had an increasing amount of stress on me because JR has been gone so much. And I finally looked on my calendar and counted days roughly. And since Labor Day, JR has been gone more than he's been at home because of hunting and judo. Primarily, just mostly those. Yeah, that's the only reason I've I've left the house. But uh, but it's been increasingly hard on me as the stress gets higher and higher. So I feel like the fact that you fed the kids breakfast two mornings in a row and I was able to stay relaxed and I'm not getting up making coffee and dealing with that. And then yesterday you started the kids on their school. And when you leave tomorrow, I'm essentially not do. I'm going to make them do maybe two things a day. I told Titus he has to take some schoolwork with him. He and does. At least several, a couple hours worth of work done before he can do any Kindle time. But even then I told him, I'm not, you're not going to sit on your Kindle all day long the entire trip. It's not happening. You look at the window, you can listen to an audio book with me. You can, you know, whatever. We can figure something out. Yes. But. Yes. Agree with that sentiment a hundred percent. I am hoping to take the girls to the library either tomorrow morning or Thursday morning and get some, not only get some Christmas and Thanksgiving books, if they have anything I think is worthwhile, but also pick up some, maybe one or two books that I can just read aloud to the girls. I feel like I've fallen short on reading aloud, fun read alouds, not school read alouds recently. Which kind of bums me out because I have great memories of my mom reading aloud to us. I'm now reading reading aloud the real story of a bootlegger, which was an anonymous story written back in 1920 something. Anyway, it's a public domain book now, but I'm going to release it on an NFT. So if you guys want to buy your first NFT, <laughs> good luck with that'll that. That'll be it. Awesome. Uh, NFTs are the future. Like I'm just been totally blown away. I'm going to link that podcast. This is a super quick side note, you guys. I'm going to link the podcast with um, the Tim Ferriss show. Did a podcast with Chris Dixon and Naval something or other. I can't remember his last name now. Um, But he talks about NFTs and it unlocked so many things. And if you're an artist or if you are involved in any sort of digital medium, Um, Not only does this really solve the problem of true digital property rights, but it also solves the problem of of rights management, royalties, and and a lot of other things. But what's cool now is they're starting to tie these these tokens, these NFTs, to physical property. And that's going to be really unique because now we have an immutable record of ownership that... um, is going to be really kind of cool. So I'm all I'm all over it right now. I started looking at NFT jobs. I think <laughs> Web3 jobs you keep me started at home. explaining some of this to me and the 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 only thing that really resonated with me is the decentralization of owning our information. So yeah. for example, you guys, it one application that I thought of was do you guys if you guys remember back after January 6th the what was that alternative it wasn't telegram MeWe. no anyway there's an alternative to facebook that people were trying to get somebody was trying to get going and it was hosted on amazon servers right. and so amazon in one fell swoop 
took him down, even as they were trying to provide a conservative free speech alternative to the uh, what felt even back then as a as a censoring. So so the idea that the the Internet is actually is not a bunch of server farms that Amazon can shut you out of and you can't access uh, stuff. But the fact that it's all of these little guys with servers that are all linked together and the information is in the cloud. So they would literally all have to go down in order all over the world, all over the world for your information to not be available. And to even you then, if they came back up, it's still there. It's still there. And so the idea to me that there's not a corporation and JR also cited the idea of medical records where you own, you can, you have private access to your medical records and you can allow someone access to it, your hospital, your doctor, whatever. But, but as opposed to, you know, all of my kids' medical records are at the doctor that we had when they were little. And I've never needed to get them from them. But I, in a sense, I mean, they're, they're such a big corporation. You go grovel and then you have to go collect your x-rays from someone else. And then, you know, sometimes you have to pay someone for this part of your medical record rather than you having a digital token that is yours because it's your information. And mm-hmm. even like an x-ray, you paid for that or your insurance company paid for that. There's no to, to to give ownership back to people rather than the handful of corporations. And I'm sure you guys are all super smart and realize that the greatest wealth transfer in the history of mankind has happened in the last year and a half in America because we have people who've been losing jobs, people who've been basically put on court on on national welfare. And then we 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 put, do Walmart pickup. And I'm totally to blame here, too, because I love Walmart pickup. We do, we order everything from Amazon. And so the richest people in America have become richer exponentially in the last year and a half and economically almost everybody else in America and not just in America, globally because of the shutdowns is worse off. And so people who had no control over keeping their job, over being, uh, what's the word I'm like, I'm being on lockdown, uh, those people are are worse off economically where the people who who were anyway the the rich got richer for sure well and the cool part is and tim ferris makes this comment in his episode is the internet blockchain is a computer uh there's a particular computer scientist that has the definition for what is a computer and uh, right now, computers are little boxes. We, they run around in our pocket. We hold them in our hands. They're sitting under our desks, um, kind of wherever your computer is. Well, the blockchain has all of the characteristics and all of the features within itself to be considered a computer. So you're moving all of your computational power from a machine or a device and into, uh, uh, into, uh, into onto the internet. And it's that whole... And this is what I love, like for all of us kind of freedom loving, you know, power to the people type people, um, it, it, it's a, it's the Internet being run, managed and owned by the people. The it's decentralization no longer, yeah, it's no longer corporations. Way corporations are no longer because right and, now anywhere you go, you're logging into a corporation. Yes. And I, I, I don't know if we need to clarify this, but I'm going to. Corporations are not the same as capitalism. 
Mm-hmm. What corporations right now are so inbred with the government mm-hmm. that that they both have banded together and it's it's a for you know there's this big brother mentality that if you look at what was it you know I have cited this several times the back and forth between big pharma companies like Pfizer and the FDA and there's this revolving door between the two and also history of unethical payments from big pharma to people who are approving their drugs. Uh, But the same thing is true between, I can't remember, I didn't save this, but I believe it was the Obama administration and Facebook. It might have been the Obama administration and Google, but but there was this flow, two-way flow of people going back and forth between working in the Obama administration and working for let's say Google, I can't remember if it was Facebook or Google, but one of the two, there were lots of people going back and forth during those eight years working for both. And so you have this, not only the loyalties, but the tight network of relationships that are tied in there and the affinity of what they're trying to accomplish. So there's this tremendously blurred line between a corporation and government that is not healthy capitalism that's good for people at all levels and so there's very when we're when we're bashing on corporations we don't want them to own our our you know our information and we don't like how they're operating in society right now it's not even remotely and i'm not very educated on this topic i wish i were more (laughs) and i i want to become more educated on this. Actually, I should give myself this as an assignment. I would like to be more educated on capitalism because I would like to raise children who are defenders of a free society where the exchange of goods and services is done freely at prices that are determined to be fair by by both parties in a mutually beneficial economic yeah. contract. Uh, and so... I think my mom actually gave us the Tuttle Twins books a couple of years ago. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm. I haven't read them with the kids, but they're they're basically easy reader early kid stories that embed very healthy capitalistic ideas. I think Ron Paul had something oh, to do funny. with their publishing. Uh, anyway, blockchain is going to fund blockchain and smart contracts because that's essentially what they are is going are going block the blockchain is going to fundamentally i'm convinced 100% now fundamentally alter the internet and the dig, our digital lives as we know it for the better and i say that because the people behind the development are entrepreneurs they're people who want to wrest away control of information and access of information from these big corporations, from the monopolies, um, and bring it back. And so the entrepreneurship, the creativity, just the excitement going on in the blockchain space. And cryptocurrency is a part of this whole this whole thing I'm talking about is called Web3. And it's part of the whole Web3 uh, thing. But I'm just I'm looking personally. I'm looking for opportunities to uh, non-developer, because I don't really enjoy code, (laughs) non-developer opportunities in the Web3 space 
Um, I've emailed several of my artist friends and be like, guys, have you done the NFT thing? Because I'm working on minting. It's very easy when you really understand what NFTs are and the whole concept of digital property. Like, it just makes all the sense in the world. Like, there's just no question about it. So, anyway, all that to say is I'll link the podcast in the show notes for this Tim Ferriss show. It's not going to be for everybody because nobody's really going to, you know, not everybody's going to care. But um, I know a lot of you are just going to wait till you can, you know, everything's running on blockchain. You don't have to worry about it. You can just open up your device and have your information there with you. So that sounds all. like what I would do. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you can do that. I want to be on the, I want to be on the cutting edge. Like I'm just, I'm like bleeding edge type of person. So one, anyway, one that's... thing that did go well while you were gone was I had to bring treats to small group. And so we brought, it was like Rice Krispie treats, but made with golden grams Yep. Instead of Rice Krispies, and then you add some extra mini marshmallows and then some chocolate pieces in that melt a little bit while the marshmallow butter mixture is still warm. When did you make this? I made them on Wednesday, okay. last Wednesday. Today is Tuesday. I had one, and I gave the rest of it to the dog. They don't last more they than They don't last, days. no. They, they got... <laughs> he was excited about it. They got... You shouldn't have given him chocolate. They got a little bit mushy. I didn't really After... They lasted four or five days. And they were really good during those four or five days. They were super good. So if you guys are looking for, you have to bring a quick treat, you have to plan ahead because you have to buy golden grams. But if you need something that's fairly easy to throw together, I will try to find that recipe and send it. Have JR post it in the show notes. And we also need to make sure we post the venison. We had a couple comments for the venison recipe. I failed to put it in the the show notes last week. I'm sorry. It's on our Telegram channel. I did send it to Our Telegram chat will be in the show notes as well. That link will be in there. And also going on in the Telegram fairly heartily, people are still doing their wall sits and getting better. Oh, man. There's a lot of wall sit progress, you guys. It's exciting. It's good. Um, Speaking of that, I will tell people a quick story about I told I think I told this a little bit on on Instagram, but Elise, she's six and she's just a real special third child. Lots of emotions, doesn't always know what to do with them. Lots of strong feelings, which when we do the well sits, usually translates into whimpering and crying and flopping around and my legs don't work anymore. And she makes it somewhere between a minute and a minute 30. Now she is usually. also she is also the kid who uh, just assumes, like she'll wake up in the morning and go, we're going to do this and she'll go do it. And it's just like, she just assumes everybody's on going to be on board. And so in that capacity, she's... She's also one of the, sometimes one of the funner ones to be around because she's always super, like for the most part, like I'll take her to the, to the office or the warehouse or work with your dad for like even a whole morning because she's, she's not totally com- happy because she's not competing with any other totally kids. Fine. She there. has a lot of trouble competing there. with but she's older, a go-getter. But, she's... And I, by compete, competing, I mean, in terms of attention and capacity. I sometimes call her the her. hurricane because yeah. she just wake, wakes up and it's go time. Or at least the beast. At least the so beast. So at least yeah. the beast on Saturday starts farting around with a little kitchen timer that we use for our well sits and she goes I'm going to do a well sit for this long and I said that's 69 minutes and 53 seconds or something 69 minutes and some second change and she goes yep I'm going to do this and we all kind of laughed at her and Titus goes that's more than an hour and she's like so I'm going to do it so she she gets in position and She's mostly leaning against the wall with her legs a little bit bent. Her form was admittedly not great. 
And Lily, being the perfectionist, is just and also doesn't want her to succeed because somehow that makes her Lily less than. So she wants to see Elise struggle and do things the hard way. So and meanwhile, I'm like, if this kid will stand with her back against the wall in one place for over an hour, I'm all in. <laughs> and I honestly didn't think she would do it. So I kind of was like, you know, she, how long have I been doing it now? It says 67. Oh, you've been at it two minutes, Elise. Two minutes. You can you don't have to do this. You can get up. And then after about 10 minutes, I was like, she's still doing this. And again, she was not she was not in any physical distress. She was leaning against the wall with her legs slightly bent. But the amount of self-discipline it took, eventually I was like, so we're all eating lunch. Do you want a stool with a bowl of soup next to you? So I brought her a stool with a bowl of soup and she ate her lunch in her squat position. And then a bit more time went past and Titus and I did a wall sit or a plank challenge. And then a bit more time passed and I asked if she wanted to watch a show on my phone. So I propped a phone up on the uh, back of the couch that was facing her and she watched a 25 minute science show and and I was like okay so it's been just under an hour you can get up now no I'm gonna wait till the timer goes off <laughs> okay <laughs> and then back and then today we were back to not even a minute 30 and she was just in a puddle a whimpery puddle on the ground let me ask you about what the wall sits do you find a difference between keeping your legs forward as if you were skiing or spread way apart i have never tried spread leg because lily i noticed because when i do it when i do it my legs are straight forward because that's the position i am when i ski and a few other things it's just it's just the proper position for a wall sit right so but lily's legs were spread way apart yeah and i'm like to me it kind of like i think that feels like she might be cheating I don't know. I don't know. I didn't... I posted in our Telegram, the world record for a wall sit is 11 hours and 51 minutes or something like this. 14. It, it's 14 hours. Like 14 hours and 10 minutes. No, 11 hours and 41 minutes. That's it. So... And her position somewhere. was more like she was actually sitting in a chair. And in the picture, the official picture, she has her hands flat against the wall. But if you look up video of time while she was sitting there because other people would come sit next to her she must have been in a public place people would come see how long they could do it next to her and they'd make it 30 seconds 45 oh, seconds funny. and she's just sitting there so her hands weren't always flat against the wall but it's harder if your hands are flat against the hall or a wall but anyway hmm. uh i'm i'm not gonna be a stickler on my kids's form form right now i'm i'm gonna do proper form but i'm making them do it and they're showing improvement Titus also busted out a big improvement on something today. His judo coach wanted him to do handstands against the wall. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, f- I don't know if it's a transition that he's going in as he's starting to be prepubescent. And he for sure, he's got enough body mass now that Lily and Elise can scrim when they're climbing a rope at judo or the rope on our place in our backyard. They can scramble up it. And last summer, all of a sudden, Titus couldn't climb the rope anymore. And of course, it made him really mad. And I told him, "It's you have to start exercising and working at it now." And he didn't even really know where to start because he could—he was that bad at the rope. He can do it now. He did it at judo the other day. Mm. His coach made him start from a lying down position and get to the top. I was, and this was after that really. This was in the middle of that really intense workout that I was so nervous about his well-being during. But which. By the way, you guys, just 
as an aside, cracks me up because it's such a dad versus mom thing. Like kids need moms and dads. They need mom to be concerned about their well being and providing for their so he had this he got worked he Titus is ten and he worked out hard with a he's a he's just got his green belt. At that point he was an orange belt which is several ranks below brown belt. And in judo, you can't get your brown belt until you're 16 because of the lethal moves that you start learning and need to steward better with a better developed prefrontal cortex. And so he's working out with a brown belt who is at least 16. And his coach later told the gal sitting next to me that this guy probably had 30 pounds on Titus. And Titus was heaving for breath and pouring sweat and his face was red and I just wanted to go make it all stop and make it better and he got done working out and I've done this because I played basketball in high school and we did three a days during before school started because back in my day in Montana women's basketball was a fall sport so you started in the heat of the August summer in the gym with three a days just like the football team did before school started anyway so I know the feeling of if I eat something, I'm going to throw up. I'm not even remotely hungry. Mm-hmm. And that's how he was when the girls were snarfing down whatever snack I'd brought to eat on the way home from judo. And he didn't touch anything. And then we got home and he finally was hungry. And I was like, I feel like you need to take a bath just to first wash your hair because it's disgusting. And second, just decompress for a few minutes before you go to bed. And so I brought him a chocolate milk and a roast beef sandwich <laughs> in the bath. And you know, I'm texting JR, who's up in the cabin, and he's like, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> and even the coach, the coach is a guy and is a, is a dad. He's a great dad. And I feel like... Also just, world champion. Yeah. Russian Samba. And so he knows, he knows what it takes. And he's pushing him very mindfully but I I just, just another opportunity to throw out to you guys and also raise up to my kids this idea that, the idea that a kid, love is love, that a kid just needs to be raised in a loving home and that a mom, a woman who hasn't gotten, hasn't found the right guy and, you know, freeze your eggs and if you haven't found the right guy to you know, have do IVF with by the time you're 38, 40, just, you know, shop in a catalog and get a sperm donor. And you'll, you're, you know, a lot of the women who do this are very economically capable. They're very educated, they're very capable people. That doesn't negate the fact that they're being raised in a home without a dad. And they're going to have this genetic sense of loss, this genetic bewilderment, I think is the phrase they use, but they're also just missing out on the complementarity that a mom and dad give them. And same thing with kids being raised in same sex homes. Their two moms or their two dads are very likely fantastic people. At least all of the poster children for my two moms or my two dads, highly educated, beautiful, really nice, talented people who love their kids passionately. And I, I think one of the most powerful ways to to make a natural law plus biblical argument for man, one man, one woman marriage is simply to point out things like I as a mom would never push my son to do something like that. And so if he had two moms, he would possibly never 
excel at something that God has gifted him the opportunity to excel at because I just am not hardwired with all of the female hormones in my body and that shape my brain to be the way it is. I'm simply not wired to push a kid the way a dad Mm-hmm. pushes a kid and that inf- impacts their brain development it impacts their self-control it impacts their physical development because of their you know like dads who throw their kids around and wrestle with them it actually wires their brains differently than kids who don't get wrestled with i was just uh there's a hard techno dj i follow named dj rebecca she's in the germany i think they're all in germany or the uk um anyway she posted that her biological father just passed away at the age of 62. She made an interesting comment in the post. She said she first met him like 20 years ago. He was absent the entire time. She's got this old photo of her dad and her mom holding her as a little teeny baby. Uh, But she said, all I ever wanted, it was so important. My dad wanted to come watch me perform before he died, Hmm. which was super meaningful to both of us. She said, but to her, all she wanted the entire time was to be was to do something to be noticed by her biological dad, mm-hmm. which I thought was just super fascinating. Father hunger. It yeah. just age old <clears throat> father hunger. And it it sounds cliche, but it's so true and it impacts so much of our our psyche and our sense of well-being. So that actually segues a little bit into the only meaty thing that I had. Beautiful. Today. Which is, I made it a couple more pages into uh, Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And I, he uses some phrases that I've been mulling over this week. See if I can find them now. I didn't, I didn't bookmark them quite like I should have. He talks about the, there it is. I have it in a box. Page 39. Mimesis, M-I-M-E-S-I-S, and poiesis, P-O-I-E-S-I-S. And this is, he's talking about a philosopher named Charles Taylor. I believe it's Charles. Anyway, he's, he's digesting Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor. And again, this is this, the reason this, uh, this, segues is twofold. One, I'm talking about gender distinctions and a man is a man and a woman is a woman and they're created distinct. And then also the idea that that the creation of man and woman has an end goal. So dad has his hormones, testosterone is the way he is because dad was designed to play a certain role in a child's life. Uh A mimetic view regards the world as having a given order and a given meaning and thus sees human beings as required to discover that meaning and conform themselves to it. Poiesis, by way of which the poiesis comes, I think, from the Greek to make or to, um, by way of contrast, sees the world as raw material out of which meaning and purpose can be created by the individual. So the Western culture has moved from predominantly being a mimetic culture to one that is primarily poietic. And as society moves from a view of the world as possessing intrinsic meaning, it also moves away from a view of humanity as having a specific given end. So when I was at Hillsdale, our uh, 
Dr. Mickey Craig, the main poli sci professor, he was he was a huge fan of Aristotle. And I remember him saying, and it made no sense to me for years, the telos of an acorn is an oak tree. So the, this teleology is the idea that something has a cre- built into it, built into the acorn, is not just to stay an acorn. The acorn has a given end, a telos, to become an oak tree. And so this idea of the entire world, and especially if we're believers, the entire world was created for a purpose, and it wasn't created, well, created, first of all, and then created for a purpose. And so our job is to understand our role in the created order, and then to find that purpose and believe that we are best fulfilled living according to that purpose. Where our modern world so much... Um, and I think, and he points out too that that technology has aided this movement from the mimetic to the poetic, where we make our own meaning. Because he's like in the old in the olden days, if you were a farmer, you were completely dependent on the seasons, and farmers still are in so many ways. But now, you go to a grocery store. And there's whatever you can imagine, fruit and veggie-wise, and it's just there. And you can order it on your phone, and it just, sh- you know, a, a star fruit appears. And you don't have to think about all of the work that went into getting the star fruit to you. You just think, in the words of the old poem, I'm the master of my fate, I'm the captain of my soul, whatever I want, snap. Somehow I'm able to make that happen, and if... If it can't happen now, and I think he hasn't addressed this, but there's this American bootstrap uh, idea that I think feeds into this too, which is if <laughs> if there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it. <laughs> With technology, there's no problem that can't be solved by technology, and I think that's why people get so angry uh, at natural disasters. I, I first noticed this, I'm sure I've talked about this before, because it's a horse that I beat a lot, but when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, it had to be somebody's fault. And in the eyes of the mainstream media, it was George Bush's fault. How on earth George Bush was supposed to control the weather and then stop the levees from breaking is completely beyond me. But he became the scapegoat, I think because... It is so humiliating, and not in the embarrassment, but in the putting us in our rightful place in the created order, that there is a God, or if you don't believe in God, there's at least the weather patterns are something that we cannot control. And again, look at all this global warming stuff, like all of these these conferences that people spend billions of dollars and billions of gallons mm-hmm. of gas jet setting to, the whole idea and then well, make promises. To yeah, I mean, I, depending it depends that. on if you genuinely believe what they're trying to accomplish, if you think they're trying to accomplish control of mankind versus nature. But taking I'm sure it, it's a little bit it's of both. Bo- it's a lot of both. But taking it at face value, the idea that we have this much influence and control over nature is a very poetic way of looking at the world. And I think I, 
scrolling Instagram while you were gone, I came across some something for women's health celebrating this model actress Bella Hadid had posted this very tearful video of her with no makeup on and she said I cry myself to sleep every night just I want people out there to know that even though my life looks all put together and great and I'm beautiful when I'm wearing all my makeup I'm just I'm a wreck essentially I didn't read the whole thing so I may be interpreting what she said incorrectly but I I think that's the result of her absorbing this worldview that says I am my own meaning maker and I am in charge of all of these things in the world that I actually can't control and I'm a mess because I can't control them. Likewise, with the transgender thing, we always get mental health issues. You know, there people, kids who are transgender are more likely to be suicidal and You've, you've got to follow what they want and help them out with their distress or else they're going to commit suicide. And mental health stats on on these people, they don't improve after transition, either social transition or medical transition. The mental health stats are almost identical between people who are told, <clears throat> no, let's work on your mental health and not hmm. mutilate you physically and people who are enabled to transition, there's a short-term improvement because they feel like, I mean, it's almost like the short-term, if I'm hungry and I eat a brownie, I get a sugar rush and I like it, but it doesn't actually help me nutritionally. The short-term mental, I got what I wanted, now I'm going to be happy, does not last. And, and anyway, all that going back to... Truman dividing the world into this, we have this raw material and we make our own meaning out of it versus I'm part of a created order and I I have a ton of freedom to live within what I think David Pallison called the guardrails of God's providence. It's not like the, what if I choose the wrong college and I don't find the one to marry because I chose to go to Moody instead of Wheaton and the the one person in the entire world God intended for me to marry was at Wheaton and I was at Moody. I've missed God's will. That's not it. But but the humility of recognizing that we are creatures and we have a place in our created in the created order and then living according to that has struck me as tremendously important for raising our kids in this culture. When you strike a theme that that you haven't, you know, noted exactly, but um, this gal who was in tears, she's just miserable inside, and people are angry and they're miserable inside. Well, is that, statistics is not, of depression in our country right, right now are not, off the charts. Not recognizing or not choosing, deliberately not choosing into what, not choosing not to live in God's created order. Doesn't provide us lasting happiness. This idea, this this biblical idea that we've thrown off God, you know, Psalm two, Romans one, we've thrown off the chains that God has put on us. Now we're God's saying, no, stop. You were designed to live this, live in this order. So therefore you will have, obviously through Christ, you will have that lasting, uh, that lasting, that true 
true meaning, true value. You'll find true happiness in your life living in this order. The image that comes to mind is handing someone a violin and saying, you can play it however you want. (laughs) But if you'd like to make beautiful music, here are the parameters for how you're how you're going to use this combination of what are the strings made out of guts? I don't know what violin strings are made out of. It, I think they're made out of whatever they're made out of. Maybe they're metal these days. Anyway, whatever violin, somebody out there, Laura, Laura, <laughs> what are violin strings made out of? Help me out. Thank you. Laura's the music director at our church, you guys. And she's also the has a master's fan of the show. And she also has a master's degree from Wheaton. Ooh, that's, you want to know why Laura's not married? So I shouldn't make fun of Laura. <laughs> I totally knew you were going there. Laura, <laughs> Laura you went to the wrong should have gone to Moody. <laughs> Laura's the one, you guys, on our Telegram channel who had a guy at Wheaton. What did he say? Oh, he came up and asked her, her his, he hit on her by saying, line. are you well catechized? Are you well catechized? <laughs> Define well catechized. Oh. But that actually goes into my other, my other point that I was going, so I've, I had screen grabbed this comment and I posted it on the Telegram channel where this guy said, let me see if I can actually find the screen grab instead of hearsay. You know what I don't love about Telegram is it's just this ongoing conversation that you can't like somebody's comment or something somebody said or posted. And there's really, or there's no, you can't save it. You can't really do categories either. It's so you have like six different conversations going at once. Oh, yes. Yes, that's that's true. You have to go through and just kind of read through and I mean, you can you can categorize groups of people. You know, you can you can pin things. Can so, this, I'm yeah. way back on our channel and I had posted this screen grab where someone named Jono Mac and Z, so he must be in New Zealand. This was Days ago, I posted this on November 9th. He says the canons of Dort and Reformed Confessions don't begin with total depravity. They begin with God and the plan to unite all things in, through, and under Jesus. Predestination is about bringing you into communion and conformity with Christ. Pop Calvinism, by which I think he means current popular expressions of Calvinism, like that whatever came after the young, restless, and reformed misses the grandiose joy of God's plan and instead begins with human sin. The fact that we even have to say total depravity does not mean utter depravity shows how off-base the conversation begins. Human inability comes later in Dort, and I'll be honest, I haven't read the canons of Dort, having magnified grace first. But I think the three primary reformed things are Heidelberg, Westminster, and Dort— and I don't know about Dort, but this resonated with me because we're doing the Westminster Shorter Catechism very, very, very slowly with our kids. And the first classic question and answer in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is, what is the primary purpose of man? And the primary purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So going into Truman's mimetic versus poetic distinctions and the idea of mankind having even the the entire world having teleology having a built-in purpose and design and end is assumed 
in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is a primary purpose? We have a mm-hmm. purpose. And so as I'm looking at the world around us, and I I should say this, I believe that there are ways of people being depressed that are genuinely chemical and that in order for people to even be able to function and to process their emotions and to start moving back towards health, uh, they need chemical intervention. And I think that modern American pharmaceuticals are wonderful in that. I think that a lot of modern America, I can't remember the statistics, but the number of Americans who are on antidepressants is shocking. I will try to Google it later, but I have a lot to say right now in the next 10 minutes. Apparently. Makes me laugh because Jenny was like, Molly keeps saying, this is her, this is my last point. Just one more thing. But but I think it's tremendously countercultural to be teaching our kids the Westminster Shorter Catechism and to just be building into them the worldview that you were made with a purpose. And then pair that with knowledge of that purpose so that we're not on this wild goose chase and then pair that with the Heidelberg Catechism question one, which is what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the fact that the answer goes on to say that I am not my own, but belong body and soul to to Jesus. The idea that pairing those two question and answers together that you you were made with a purpose, that purpose is to glorify and enjoy God, and that is a great comfort. The fact that you are not your own is not a something that you need to break off the chains from, but it's a comfort in the way that not being an orphan, but being part of a family is a comfort, because you have someone to whom you belong and who will comfort you in the inevitable distress and bewilderment that comes from living life in a fallen world. And I think that <laughs> is taking this uh, this tweet that I had screen grabbed and was thinking of riffing off of a little bit further. I think in parenting, we have our children's total depravity in front of our faces so much and they likewise have our depravity as their parents in front of their faces that that keeping the the true beauty of and i know not everyone who listens to us would call themselves reformed but i think a lot would the true beauty of biblical christianity i'm not even gonna claim it's reformed the true beauty of biblical christianity is the vision of the Supper of the Lamb, of this joyful, sin-free, total union with God and with other people. And the glory of that entire gathering belongs solely to God himself and to the Lamb who was worthy um, because of what he did for us. And... I think that, and, and you know, and the the joy in that is is like the joy in getting invited to somebody super cool's birthday party. Like it may not have been a great party, but you got to be near this super cool person. You know, the the joy, but God is going to throw a great party too. Let's be honest. Uh, anyway, I'm getting a little bit lost, but I th- I think that we, um. 
I personally, in reflecting on this, have just really wanted to dig into helping our kids see themselves and then going back to that conversation about dads and pushing their kids. Everything about you was designed by God with a purpose. And you don't experience freedom and joy in casting off your maleness or your femaleness or anything else unique about the way that you are created. You you experience fullness of joy and fullness of relationship with God in leaning into trying to understand the telos of why you were made that way. And but it starts with a very basic worldview of saying, I was made this way for a purpose and the world was made this way for a purpose. And I can't cast off that purpose without dire consequences to my soul and to my body and to the culture around me. Yeah. So we, um, we live in a teleological world. I got to be a nerdy philosopher. Teleological philosopher, theologian. My name is Molly. I'm a philosopher, theologian. I'm too busy to flush. I'm a stay-at-home mom who yells at my kids all day. And this morning, <laughs> this morning, Lily goes, "Why is their entire roll of toilet paper rolled down the stairs?" I have no idea. I said probably because a kid rolled it down the stairs. Why didn't you roll it back up? But it was okay. It wasn't like that when we went to bed last night. I think it might have been a cat. Hmm. I. Unless, I don't know. Anyway, things like that. These are the great questions of my life, except for this one hour a week where I get to use my brain. That's not entirely true. Or I took, or I got to take Molly out for wine before dinner and have real conversation with you. But that just turned into an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Very heavy evening, you guys. We've got a lot going on. It's hard. Life is hard. And people Life are is, weird and hard. Yeah. It's terrible. Okay. So anyway, if you agree with us, um, we've had a, at least one question. Yes, you can buy People Are Weird and Hard coffee mugs at our store, at our swag shack um, on uh, com. tb2f.com slash swag. Uh, there's, we use a print on demand service, so we don't have total control over everything, but, um, we do have control over some things. So again, um, join us. If you like, uh, what you hear, we'd love for you to share us with your friends, post it up on your various social networks. And if you want to interact with us, uh, the best place to do it, it will be our telegram channel. Um, and you can interact with all the other people that want to interact with everything too because oh fun. oh oh yes speaking of that i have two stories of god doing cool things answering prayers working in people's lives that one of them i'm really fuzzy on the well de- i'm sorry we're out of time no no no, um, no, no, no. no. <laughs> one kidding. of them one of them i'm fuzzy on the details of right now the other one i don't have permission to share okay from somebody that i want to get permission from but i want to invite people JR will be home, you guys, hopefully next Tuesday night. We might record on Wednesday, and re- I'm thinking it would be cool to release a Thanksgiving episode where we could share other people's stories. Oh, so that I'm inviting cool. people to share with us. If you have seen God working in very distinct ways, even a couple of weeks ago, 
we knew so many people, you guys, in late September and most of October who've had COVID that our evening prayer time as a family sounded like a hospital list. Like just the the classic stereotype of prayer requests. Like, and please be with this person who has COVID and please be with this person. But it was all family friends mm-hmm. or actual family. And even on Sunday, there was an older couple who were in really frail health that were on the church prayer chain and they were sitting behind us at church on Sunday. Looking frail as ever, but I mean, looking frail as ever and not more frail than ever. But even that, I was like, oh, the Lord answered our church's prayers and this couple is back in church worshiping with us. Praise the Lord for his goodness. So anyway, I think that it would be really fun to dedicate a Thanksgiving episode to if you guys have seen God work and it doesn't have to be in giant ways because God working in little ways in our hearts and changing our hearts. I mean, changing a heart of stone to a heart of flesh is just as much of a miracle as raising a dead girl from the dead. Send us your stories and we'll put something together. I'm going to be probably in the studio most of the day Wednesday because that's hopefully when I end up doing. So Thanksgiving weekend. I don't know. Maybe after that. Well, no, what I'm saying is it'll be a good time for me to put together the show because I'll have a one hour recording session, hopefully for the for that voice acting thing at some point on Wednesday. So I can put them together on Wednesday, get the show out on Thursday. When you guys are all sick of your family and friends, you can put us on and hide <laughs> in your bedrooms. <laughs> right. So anyway, that's all I had to say. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, so go to toobusytoflush.com. You can send us a postcard there, or you can jump on our on our Telegram chat, join Telegram. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, if you like what you hear, shoot us five stars on Apple iTunes. Um, if you want to uh, know more about um, anything, then just send us a message. We're, we're around. So that's all I got. We're going to get ready to go have tacos for judo tonight for dinner. And then I've got a pack of in. 